All right, welcome to episode 56 of Biomast, uh, and we're going to be all about the Logis tonight and uh, some commandos and probably a little bit of whatever else will uh, get Sry off our back. So uh, we're going to start the show because we got a ton of things to talk about. Really quick uh, agenda recap for everybody. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about a little, little bit about the buzz about CPM2. I don't think there's anything official quite yet, but a lot of people are kind of uh, warming things up by trying to throw their, throw their name in the hat for it. Uh, we'll talk a, a bit about some of the commando update or the commando progression that they've put out, uh, which probably sounds like a, a much needed uplift for uh, for that group of players. I know it's a, a pretty small niche, but uh, the guys that like it, they really like it. Uh, and then there's a pretty pretty noticeable rebuild or uh, optimization, however you want to call it, for the uh, the Logi class uh, that wraps up quite a few different things to include slot progression, equipment progression, uh, a speed versus EHP, which sort of touches a lot of different suits uh, outside of the Logis. So there's quite a bit to talk about tonight. Uh, and without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get to it. So, uh, as usual, what we're going to do is we're going to get our uh, intros in out of the way, and then we're going to lead into a little CPM update. So, Silly Rabbit, you mind give us an intro? Hey guys, Silly Rabbit here, uh, Director of Negative Feedback, and I'm back. Alrighty, Pokey? I'm Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations, a co-host here on Biomast, and a writer and editor for the Biomast blog. Cool. Kane Sparrow. Yes, a former member of the uh, CPM and head of the uh, Negative Feedback Alliance. Cross? Cross 2, member of OSG Planetary and CPM 1. Good deal. Bam. Hey there, uh, Bam Havoc. Uh, tinful hat YouTuber. That's it, really. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Alrighty. And uh, middle of the list, Sarizel, that will be doing the last intro minus me. So go ahead. I'm Soraya Zell. I'm a member of uh, CPM1 and uh, a co-host here on the show. Outstanding. And I'm Jason Larrison, a.k.a. Jay Poole, otherwise known as the purveyor of the Deadson Kaldari Medium Drop Suit, which you will all want to spend a great deal of arm for as soon as CCP Rattati puts it in. For the record, he gave me a wink and a nod and said it's coming. So I don't know what that means, but we'll have to see how that works out for us all. Uh, on that note, let's go ahead and dive right into our CPM update. So we've got Cross and we've got uh, Sriazel here, who are two CPM members. So, what do you think, guys? I'm, what's I'm going leaving on everything on Cross. It's Cross's fault this week. Yeah, like that's different from any other given week how you behave. <laughs> um, well, I think most of the main action has been very, very public this week with all of Ritati's threads. That's been pretty much the entire outside of NDA focus. Um, I could go over what I've been doing with it and some of the discussions that have happened, but that's a lot of the content of the show at large. So my, you know, pre-cap doesn't really seem like it would do all that much good. Yep, no problem. Well, let me ask you a quick question. Um, if you were to classify sort of the, the future stuff that you guys have had... Uh, discussions on what type of category of activity or game updates are they looking at that uh, that you can mention at least things that they're actively uh, looking at or taking you know taking a peek at maybe even working on no, no specifics obviously but uh, in terms of like the category or type of things they're looking to add or upgrade in the game 
I think Rattati's main focus at this point is really on establishing sort of game-wide contexts for things. You know, while it wasn't the explicit focus of the feedback thread, he did list other things in his kind of overarching method in response to a post by Lether. And that's sort of the, the element that I think is the primary focus at the moment, is just having more of that cohesive vision and cohesive game-wide context that's kind of been absent in a lot of ways prior to this in Dust development. Okay. No, and I think that's uh, that's pretty legitimate. Uh, so a bit more of the sort of the macro type stuff, if you will. Yep. Yep. Making sure that things can all tie together, and you know, having clearer roles, etc. Because right now, as I'm sure we've all witnessed, it's really easy to get a bunch of people who play, say, Commando, for example, since that's a thing that I've spent a whole lot of time on in the past several months, together and say, all right what do you think the commando needs? Where is it falling down in its role? And you can get 20 pages of feedback, and the first 20 pages is mostly the people who spend a lot of time on it debating what the commando role actually is. No, that's a fair point. So I think that Rattati is trying to move us in a direction where there will be less of that and more actionable uh, feedback and, and interactions happening. Yeah, I, and I, I think this is probably a uh, much-needed piece if that's what his sort of uh, architecture that he's laying out is a little bit of the what is the actual design concept that ultimately governs you know what they're trying to do and it also helps shape the feedback that I think the community could give them so you know if if the the design concept whether you agree with it or not by the way but if the concept that uh, the developers are going with for a given thing commandos equals x um, then that should shape everybody's uh, feedback, or at least the direction that the devs will drive the uh, you know the item or the suit or the lo- the cr- class role, whatever. So that probably is a good discussion driver. I think uh, that would probably bring a lot of things into focus uh, in terms of how they uh, they communicate with the community, and and also to a degree how the community talks to each other. So not a bad thing. I think that's actually probably much needed. So uh, with that, what I would like to do is kind of dive into a couple things and i think uh, a few of you brought it up prior to the show uh at least so we can put a few comments out there again we see a continual increase of folks throwing their name in the hat for uh, the cpm2 you know assuming there's going to be one because there is not a an official announcement from ccp yet if, if i'm not mistaken uh there's been some sort of implied, yes, we're, we're, we're getting after it, we're going to look into it, or expect something, some word on this soon. Uh, so I think there's a two-parter discussion. One, are we going to have one? Two, uh, any comments on the initial forays by people running for CPM? And I'll open it up to the floor. I don't see why we wouldn't have one at this point. I'm not... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess until something's announced and actually happening, whether that be, you know, boot up after downtime all the way through to CPM elections, don't trust it till it's actually happened, of course. But I'm not really, uh, I'm not really sure why there wouldn't be an election as of now. As far as candidates go, not commenting on any of the specific candidates, but I wonder how much it'll follow the last election cycle with a intense level of, of announcers and um, kind of a winnowing of the field as the election goes on. As long as the people want it, uh, I'm pretty sure it'll, it'll be an issue of discussion. So it's most likely going to happen, I personally feel. Well, I ran for like six months before CPM1 was officially announced. So, um, and I made it, 
I won, just in case no, nobody knew that. I did. I did. I did win a seat. Um, but, but, but but your forum tag it still says CPM elect. I know. <laughs> I never updated that. Like I I didn't think about it for a while, and then people started asking me about it, and then I decided that it was a, a joke and that I was going to leave it. Um. So it just stayed, and it'll probably stay like after CPM one's term is over and everything. This is just going to be permanently CPM one elect. Um. But, uh, yeah, no, um, I, on the other hand, and, and I haven't actually, like, paid enough attention to specific candidates yet, but unlike Cross, I will totally be willing to speak about individual candidates and, and you know, uh, applaud them and call them out on being cred and all, all that, because I, I don't believe that uh, impartiality does any good in this, in this process. You're writing an entire uh, blog series on it, aren't you? Oh, we'll do, I'll do something. I'm, I'll, I mean, um, we'll probably interview um, people. Um, if people are interested in being candidates, they should really show up on the blog because, like, I think everybody, almost everybody, all but one person who won CPM one elect, uh, the CPM one election, was on our blog at some point, so, or on our podcast at some point. So you should, you know, candidates should come on our podcast and talk about why they want to be CPM and what they think, why they think they wouldn't suck at it and stuff. And we'll probably do text interviews for the blog and. I'll probably do analyses of things, and at some point I will publish an official endorsement list as I did last year as well. Well, not to mention, I think our, our listenership is much bigger than it used to be uh, last year, so definitely more exposure if you're on the show. So if you're interested, be sure to give us a ring and we'll get you on here. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, you you have uh, a few, uh, quite a few people that have at least floated there I'm interested in or I am thinking about running for CPM2. Um, but now, one thing that I, I do think is worth mentioning that I think the role of the CPM has clearly evolved um, over the last year. Uh, but, you know, from what you guys got in, got into the job looking, looking at like what you, I think it just feels like at least from the outside looking in, it's somewhat different than I think what most of you expected it to be based on what guys like Kane or you know, the, the crew previous went through. Kane uh, lies. Just, just, <laughs> just know that. Well, I, I think we, I think we all understand. Oh, that. <laughs> but no, I mean, I mean, in, uh, you know, a fair point though, is I, I do think the, uh, the atmosphere and the environment is dramatically different, uh, you know, from when they were in office to when you took office to what it is now in terms of what the CPM probably, uh, can expect and most of that is is very directly related to Rotati's methods i, I suspect I'd, I'd, I'd absolutely say a lot has changed um uh we had i, I had a I, i'll just say a couple of conversations where i had to tell cpm zero members that the cpm one term is not has not even been remotely similar in terms of how we're approached how we're communicated with etc from you know what we heard um and I, I think to some degree that that will continue to evolve. I'm sure CPM2 will be telling me the same when I'm telling them about this, you know, hopefully. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's continuing to evolve. Rotati's obviously doing a lot of things that should have always been out to the community, now out to the community. So, so the CPM job is able to hopefully, I think, focus on, you know, what it's really meant to be, which is focusing on... Um, the long term and uh, the stuff that happens behind the curtain and making sure that none of that becomes a, you know, sudden and scary surprise. 
One thing I'd like to throw out there um, as far as preconceptions or misconceptions that I frankly don't see changing is this notion that I've seen amongst some at least theoretical candidates out there that they're going to get themselves elected and quote unquote make CCP fill in the blank and <laughs> to anyone and everyone who has this attitude that you're going to ever force ccp Rattati to do something in any context don't even bother running unless you can let that go because you're only opening yourself up to an excruciating term in which you will accomplish nothing of value hey hey, hey. sometimes though yelling is required now, i'm not saying don't contradict don't even get you know vocal or emphatic and i've definitely had my moments doing that but there's a stark difference Across, between you're so friendly and peaceable well by and large i try to be but there are moments as as i believe you have seen once or twice the, the point being you can be adamant and you can be even intractable but that is different from being unprofessional or thinking that you get to have some sort of veto power or you know executive authority which cpm do not cross i have to ask did did you did, did I, I may have misheard this but did you just tell sarai don't don't make you take your belt off well, I like to phrase things in a diplomatic manner, Jay. As you know, I mean, I may have picked up a pointer <laughs> or two here, so I wouldn't say that exactly. But I got you, man. I'm just playing. All right. I, this, uh, man, I'm still on the outside looking in. So what I'm, what I have to say, basically, from like, there's a couple CPMs in here and one former. I think uh, for the for the new wave guys coming in CPM two, I think the best. Thing they should go in with. Hey, uh, Silly, you're breaking up pretty bad, man. No. Can you hear me? Yep, there go ahead. Go. Where, where did I cut off at? I'm sorry, guys. Say again. Before you, said any, hey guys. before you said anything meaningful there. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> when you got to the meat of it. Uh, basically, what I'm saying, the, I feel like CPM2, uh, anything they should bring to the table. Um, the game's more, I would say, vocal and open to the public now, uh, like you guys were saying earlier. I'm I'm still on the outside looking in, and obviously your worlds are different once you get inside that actual occupation and start, you know, really getting into the the, the specifics of the game and, and what to convey and what not to convey. Uh, I feel that it's so... It's public now. The game is public now. You, you see where the game is. You, you know what's happening. If you're aware enough and you're understanding enough to know where the game is at at this point, I feel that the next wave of CPMs should feel the need to go in and, and bring to the table of, hey, what can I bring to enhance the game? to better serve the community or better, you know, get better enjoyment out of it. Like, you know, that whole notion of I'm a change is, yeah, I see that too. And it's just like, dude, you, if you're really saying that at this point, you really need to like have a like wake up call or something because it's, you know, it's to go in with that notion is I feel you're completely blind. Like you don't know what the heck you're doing. If you're going in with that, with that, you know, that mind frame. Yeah, I'd say that's pretty on point. Did I break up? No, I would say though that uh, on that point of like how the CPM has evolved, um, I would really would say that um, a lot of what CPM zero had to deal with, and I think even initially in some of CPM one's term was you feel like your nose was in the weeds when really you should be at the thousand foot level kind of deal. And I think a lot of that has evolved finally. And this is one of the things, same thing with the CSM, the CPM is an organic organization and it evolves um, over time, you know, to improve. Um, and I think it's important 
now that we have like the when it comes down to getting in the weeds and like you know the minutia that that's something that's dealt with the community directly and then that frees up the cpm to kind of tackle larger you know issues like you know what's going to happen what what happens with dust on the ps3 what happens with this you know what is the cpm having to deal with in terms of legion stuff etc etc this game is a frontier to a to a level i would say just in how everything has been going it's it's almost like a, a learning you're learning as you go you know nothing is set in stone and it's like you know, it's it's pretty much you're you're just you're going out to an unknown. I'm I'm noticing from you know communications with you know people who are deeper into the game uh, than I am. It's definitely for them. It's like yo, you're you're in for a ride, basically. Well, in development, it's pretty much the same in a lot of ways. We can glance over at our um, sister project with Eve, and a lot of people say, well, look at the polish in Eve, and that's legit. Eve is quite polished by comparison at this point. How many years is it? But, exactly. And that's a lot of what's happening, where it's like establishing an identity. You know, we have lore and things that we can look to from Eve, which helps for sure, but things don't translate directly even on a purely fiction lore sense of things what the ground military is going to be doing and what the space forces are doing won't be identical and when you get to the actual mechanics of a game that's going to be drawn even further you can't copy paste mechanics and ideas for sure like at this point like every time i look at game i mean eve i'm sorry every time i look at eve and then i look at dust I remember they said at the beginning of this, this is going to be something that they plan for five to 10 years down the line. We're already pushing into the third year as slow. And at times as you know, you don't know if the game's going to, you know, stop like, you know, the whole tinfoil hat mentality of, Oh, is it going to end tomorrow? Or, you know, this game is never going to do this or, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's just like, yo, this is, this is, I'm pretty sure Eve was at this kind of, you know, limbo phase of what's next, you know, at a certain point in the beginning, and everything just polishes itself out. Like I can, I can imagine if this game seven years down from the line, eight years down from the line, it's more established, more you know involved. I, I just you have to be willing to try to see it through. You know what I mean? Like you know, you know, yeah. And continue to push CCP for a port. Yeah, you know what I mean. Just push. You know, push for it to succeed. I'm sure it will. You know, just push. Well, I, and I think that's what everybody. Anybody that's been been hanging around Dust for I don't know more than a year and a half, that's probably what how they look at it. Otherwise, they would walk. There's been something about the game that captured their kind of their imagination or you know their interest in in the type of game because it it is it applies some niche things uh, to the gaming community that a lot of people like. The um, it, it you know that's why we're all here. Let's be realistic because the reality is a whole lot of the community since that that we joined with have come and gone and we're still here because there's something about, you know, we enjoy in the game and there's also like some social ties in there too. Uh, so th- that's legit. You know, the one thing that is, you know, the, the clear elephant in the room is at some point CCP really does, you know, they have to tell us w- what is the plan beyond like a year because it, I think it is, you know, from a, from a customer standpoint, it is a bit foolish for them to go through one ho- go through the, the upcoming holiday season uh, where a whole lot more PS4s are going to get sold and not many PS3s. Uh, and, and they need to at some point have like a, you know, like say something about what their long-term plans are. 
because, you know, hey, I'd love to stick with them in, in a variety of different platforms. I think I'd be okay with that. But boy, you know, there's also the component of I am a customer and there are certain information I would like about this product. <laughs> that you're putting your, you know, time. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. and that's the big thing. You're going to put time or money into it potentially. And increasingly it's money now because they have begun to really strike into monetization on a, on a very wide scale in a way that they hadn't in the first two years of the game, frankly. So got to show some stats. Yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta see some kind of almost like return on the investment. You're not a shareholder, but uh, you know, there's a fine line between fine line between a shareholder and a consistent customer that pays you money, particularly in the gaming world. Get a PS4 and come play Valkyrie with me. Yeehaw. That's a technique too. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, we're gonna go go ahead and push past this, past this one because we could clearly spend a lot of time talking about this. Um, one thing I would like to kind of dive right into is let's get into a little bit of the meat and potatoes, like some of the more technical things that they've been discussing in the game. Uh, some updates. Uh, the the first one up is a little bit of the, a revamp for the commando class, uh, and I'll kind of leave this one up to, uh, I think Pokey and Kane probably have the most uh, hands-on experience, you know, less than you got other guys do. Um, it's, it sounds like some pretty simple stuff in terms of equalizing the high-low slots with Sentinels and a little bit of the speed factor that we've been looking at in terms of the speed versus EHP. Does that sound about right, guys? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you, you hit the nail there. They're just adding the extra slot to bring it so they have the same slot layout as the Sentinel, so all heavy frames will have the same slot layout, which is which is pretty neat. Uh, much needed. The Commando only had four slots at the proto level, which is pretty pitiful. Uh, so we'll have five now, and I think that, that'll be a lot more appropriate. Uh, as for the speed, uh, we'll probably get into that later, but it's, it's definitely pushing it up to be more in line with the uh, HP speed curve that Rattati's working on, and it's it's much needed. I mean, the, the, the commandos weren't in a bad spot, but they were kind of eh, you know, so it, it's good to, to give it a little bit of a buff there, and I think that they'll uh, be feeling a lot better with uh, those small increases. Yeah, no, I think that's pretty legit. Now, there's still no discussion about anything to do with uh, any of the bonuses, right? Nothing so far, but uh, he seems open to the idea of reworking bonuses in, in general for a lot of suits, so we'll see. Okay, all right. Uh, any other open comments on the Commando class? I'm happy to see that it's going to get some more durability. Uh, I actually spec into the suit. Let me mute that. I actually spec into the suit um, around 1.8, I believe, uh, and then I quickly spec out of it just because it was just... I love the stats that are proposed, like in terms of racial bonuses, but once I actually started using it and I proted it out, it just it just wouldn't last and I'd spec out of it. So, you know, respect it's just you know, you don't want that you don't want that to not be an issue to deal with. I I don't know if I'm wording it right or not, but I'm just happy that it's getting something at least. It's just, you know, it was too soft of a suit. Yeah, no, I would totally agree with that. A lot of what's being talked about now is pretty much the solid universal feedback I've gotten from the community. I mean, the thread has been running for a number of months now and pretty much, by and large, boiled down to normalize the slots and adjust fittings as needed. And it's nice to see that that's being talked about in a more direct way. Now, it is getting a, a mild speed increase, right? Just at base foot speed? Yeah, that's what it looks like from what I gathered in the uh, the speed HP thread, which was mostly about the Lodges, but the commandos were definitely mentioned in that, so they'll be getting a small boost to their mobility. 
and the slots are going to be geared towards uh, the Sentinel class, you, you were saying, uh, offside? Yeah, that's my understanding. That it'll be the same as the Sentinel. Yeah, I would I would make a minor footnote on that. I don't think that the speed HP ratio thing is really geared towards any class. It's meant to be a game wide methodology. There's just a comment on moving Logi and Commando since they were both flaggers when that methodology was applied. Yeah, they're they're being pushed up to to have the speed that they should given their defensive capabilities, assuming that that game wide uh, uh, speed defense curve. We speak so calmly of this, but this is going to be such a major change to the game. Oh, man. Now, I, real quick, guys, before we dive in, we did have a uh, another guest join us, and I'd like to go ahead and get an introduction. Uh, and I think we've got a, I think she is uh, it's first time on Biomass. So, Zarya, if you don't mind, could you give us a quick introduction? Well, um, first of all, yeah, can you actually hear me? Absolutely. Thank you. Well, um, I'm Zarya. Um, Long-time player of Dust, um, apparently a fan of CCP to my sins, don't know why, but still here, and um, I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, what corp are you in? Um, currently, I'm the CEO of OH. Okay, there you go. So we've got Zarya from Outer Heaven, and she is a well-known uh veteran logi player uh probably one of the one of the better competitive logis that are uh, still running in the game right now uh, a lot of pc experience and this is a, a great thing that we we're able to have her on so i think by my count you've got bam silly you and me in the room so i think that's that's a, a lot of knowledge like, that's, that's like eight years of combined logi logi work what zarya is also Zara's being too nice many to times. What Zarya is also being too nice to mention is that I am directly responsible for her not being on time because I'm terrible with time zones, so everyone can throw well, stones at me. Well, we've also established everybody in generally North America does not do time zones well. So this is this is why we use this is why we use UTC. Yes, and I checked with him on the UTC, and and then he told me it was you know six hours from now when it actually was five hours from yeah. So yeah, no. <laughs> it's okay. It's trust me. We we have this happen almost every week, <laughs> and we've we've been doing it for over a year. I guarantee every week there's there's one of these, but uh, we really do appreciate you could you could make it. And we were just kind of diving in. I think you hopped in when we were kind of finishing up our our chat about the commando, and we were kind of sliding into the EHP slash or versus speed discussion. And and I did I think this is probably a good way we can talk about that for a few minutes and then kind of bridge over into uh, the Logi update, uh, if you guys don't mind. So we'll kind of steer the plane back on point a little bit. Um, broadly, what it looks like is uh, Rotati laid out a, a pretty good pretty good product, graphical product on the, on the forums, where he so, sort of showed the outliers that Cross mentioned uh, in terms of where your EHP was versus where your base foot speed was. Uh, and then he he sought to make it a more uh, narrow linear progression, uh, and it looks like he even compressed it a little bit, not a whole lot. So it basically made the lines neater, and the effect is that sl that suits or suit classes um, that have traditionally lagged behind, you know, no pun intended, uh, would get generally some kind of uplift in their base foot speed. I don't, and I don't think anybody got any foot speed taken away necessarily. Uh, so, it, it, does that sound about right, guys? 
it's the problem is there's a there's a lot of variance and and it's how it's being applied so there's a lot of talk about um in the original model um uh assaults actually had their run speed or so their or foot speed as you say uh reduced in the original uh proposal um and their sprint speed reduced um then there was a modification to that where um maybe their movement speed uh, was reduced but then their sprint modifier was increased therefore leaving them with a faster sprint speed while logis have a faster move speed and then the thread kind of devolved into a whole lot of different ways of necessarily approaching um, how you put these suits on the curve. The one interesting. Of, go ahead. I'm sorry, Carl. Uh, one of the big things that's sort of been coming out of the thread and various ancillary discussions about the thread happening in other mediums and contexts is that of the types of move speed right now the elephant in the room is the strafe speed because of how it interacts with or to be more blunt breaks hit detection within the game god it is a nightmare it is the bane to this game in my personal opinion i hate it has to be dealt with i think that pretty much sums it up nicely well thankfully there's also an independent modifier for strafe which can be changed it has been changed before so you know they have options the original modifier was uh, 60% of movement speed with strafe speed. Um, and then at one point, it ended up, uh, uh, I can't remember exactly what uh, point release for Uprising, ended up going to 100% of movement speed. And then it was um, reduced down to 90%. Yeah, those both, both of those changes happened early Uprising, very early. So uh, just a quick question as I'm looking at the graphic. Um cross you you might be able to interpolate this the base base ehp versus speed at the proto level um it's got like three dots like so you'll see assault and have like three orange dots is that indicative of the upper dot is would be like the min assault and the lowest dot would be the mr and then everything fall and then the other two fall in between that somewhere in, in essence yeah okay all right i got you i'm, I'm curious what um most people, I think, prior to this, at least my feeling was that they thought the assaults should be the faster suits, and that logies should have more defensive capability. How did how did we arrive at speed equals defense for logies? Uh, well, a lot of the feedback going through a number of threads was not what I would call comprehensive or focused and it certainly wasn't a clear black and white of one thing is better than the other and there was a major push early on when the question was raised about how to alter survivability so that logies weren't just you know chum to be fed upon and the major heavy push within that the feedback that i was getting in that context from those who weren't logies was that you couldn't have them above a certain level of hp or ehp i think that a lot of that is probably a direct reaction to the unfortunate uh, occurrence with the cal logi shield bonus back in the day but there was a major push that hp could not be the vector to improve survivability so that left speed hmm. okay uh that's interesting yeah uh, i i, I could kind of see that i guess uh i mean it's definitely it's definitely a viable method i just it, it struck me as that most people would desire the assaults to be faster, uh, so to speak. Uh, so, okay. All right, that's fair. Now, one of the things I've, I've got to ask, um, 
usually when you have a discussion about speed and HP uh, or speed versus health, let's just call it that, the other mechanism that is kind of the the thread that ties the two is, is your defensive capability based on buffer or is it based on regen? And traditionally, the lower your, you know, your health or your, your EHP is, the more you rely on regen. But I don't see any of that discussion in here. And last time I checked the stats for the Logi suits, not a whole lot in there that would indicate that, you know, they're a regen-based suit particularly compared to the assaults. Yeah, that's fairly on point. And there's kind of a dual layer to that because it's not just HP regen that hasn't been directly addressed. It's also speed regen in essence because stamina and the regeneration rate thereof definitely applies as a force multiplier to the value of sprint speed just as, you know, say shield regen or shield depleted delay apply to the value of shield HP. Yeah, and 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 I would say just in and with this, I'll, I'll kind of you know lay off and let the other uh, Logi Bros jump in on it. But uh, it also strikes me that you know, and I think I made this comment in, in a form is I, I can't really rep myself, but I can rep thousands upon thousands of of HP for anybody else in my squad or on the team. Uh, so not having the ability that's innate to my suit or my class to regen myself either with a rep tool or something uh, if you're not going to it's it just feels like you need to cook something into the suit uh, to to create that gap otherwise you're going to have a li- a moderately faster suit that is still quite squishy and then once it once you you know poke the balloon a little bit it's still going to go down quick yep I, I think though that it's important to um address maybe tackling one issue at a time i think if we try to say okay let's change this and then let's also change the the regenerative abilities of these suits and stuff like that we're going to end up um with a mess like we did in the uh, slayer lodger slayer logi situation i think it's better to especially since the speed curve is hitting every suit in the game essentially i think it's a good way to tackle the issue first see how things are affected by tackling that issue and then go from there. Right, but the slowest suits in the game have the best regen, like hands down. Because I mean, I can understand why they would have the best regen for you know the lack of speed, the lack of being able to get away from enemy. Right, but then you would need to, but you would need to increase the buffer then on the faster suits. I can agree with that. It's man. Because I'm looking at how the game has shifted, like the the actual gameplay. It, the game's gotten faster in terms of combat. It, it noticed like people have kind of reduced the armor, except for certain situations with like heavies. There's like it's like key instances where you'll get a heavy situation, but I feel like the this this inst like what they're about to install. I feel it's going to regress back to that whole Slayer Logic phase. But like you said earlier, that it'll just make it squishier and faster. But I'm not. I was fine with the way the Logi was. I felt that it could use more of a defense more than more speed. I feel that if the game goes too fast, it just leads, like, on another topic to the strafe uh, problem. So it's just... Yeah, I mean, my... my, Yeah, go ahead, Zarya. I was um, thinking part of the reason why the game feels so much more fast-paced, obviously there's the difference of um, the armor plates that 
you know, got introduced that don't have a speed penalty. A lot of people over the time have switched to using those because of the fact that they don't have a speed penalty. Um, that makes somewhat of a difference. The other thing what the other thing that contributes to why it feels faster, why the gameplay feels faster, is I think the average time to kill has gone down. Um, not talking about just rifle versus rifle, assault versus assault, gunfights. I'm talking about the average time to kill. Um, um, there's so many things that kill you, kill you instantly or near instantly. Um, it, so being able to move is so much more important than buffer in a lot of situations, particularly in the open maps. And we have a lot of open maps. I agree. No, I think that's I think that's a pretty fair pretty fair assessment it's just not i understand the concept of having a really fast suit and you're not having the ability to rep versus being a super slow suit and then having the extreme ability to rep where the logis stand right now except for the cow logi which i feel is completely just still gimped but where it is now i understand the concept like where you have a min logi who you can rep so many people because that's primarily my suit i've been running that suit since i started this game that suit to me it's I understand the concept of it now. It's not going. It's going to have the extreme versatility more than any other suit in the game, in my personal opinion. You combine that with the fact that it has the stamina to constantly keep up in the fight. It never runs out of energy. Like you can keep up. Now you have the Galaji, where it has that that repability that Cross was talking about. That it was lacking, making him like still squishy, getting dropped, but he can't really rep himself. I see the rep in that because my Gal logistics can rep enough. It can rep about a bullet back uh, of, you know, if I get covered. So that's about 20, anywhere from 20 to 30 reps a second, depending on how much I want to reduce my armor versus, you know, how much reps do I want to have. So it's, I understand that concept. There's a balance to it. It's just uh, now you're going to make the logic even faster. And with this update coming in, I feel that you'll bring that back, but it's going to be even you're going to strip basically down the, the, the knight and armor shield of the old Slayer Logi, but you're going to give it this super fast ability now. And then you're going to give it the added speed that it was lacking that kind of made it more able to take out because it's still a logistics. You know, you, you're supposed to expose yourself. So now it's just dangerous, you know. Like, I already hear Slayers talking about how they're going to switch to Logi Fix. Like, it's happening. That talk is already happening amongst the Slayers, the Flavor of the Month players. Those guys that just want to do super, you know, they care about the KD. They want to get a quick smash and get out. So it's like, that's the problem. Well, there, there are three things there. One is that currently Strafe is directly tied to speed. And so the Flavor of the Month chasers are always going to go for the highest Strafe because yes. of how it affects KD. Um, the second is just sort of a point of clarity. While this is definitely going to be something that brings both the Logi and Commando up, and you know we're focusing on how those implications play out, it's important to not view the EHP to speed ratio as a buff for any given class. That's not what it's there for. That's not why CCP has presented it. And while it will certainly have some of those effects, that isn't its foundation. So discussing it in those terms is going to be a little bit of a distortion because that is ignoring this sense of normalizing various things across the game. It's not looking at one class or one role and saying, we're going to improve this thing. It's looking at a type of stat relation game-wide and saying, we're going to make this logical amongst all of the things. And then the, the final element is that I think at this point, there's not a whole lot of reason for many Slayers to stay with the Assault once it's 
best in class combination of having curve breaking speed and EHP gets shifted because the class bonuses are kind of weak and there are some other general flaws. But that is something that should be fixed on the assault itself because it's a weakness in the assault, not something that other classes should be gutted or nerfed or maintained at a lower level to avoid, you know, highlighting. It's like it's like fix fix the this ehp ratio the speed ratio and then see where the problems are and then address them i think is the way to go about it i mean and the other thing is i think that gets missed in a lot of these conversations in a lot of the in a lot of the threads and stuff is that there's a lot of numbers that can get tweaked in terms of how we feel like the role should play out i mean it, to me, I think it's a combination of, uh, you know, your HP, your your movement speed, your sprint speed, your stamina regen, and your stamina pool. And I think all of those things can be nim- uh, manipulated in such a way that you end up with um, suits filling the roles that you feel like, that we think that they should fill. The question okay. is, is getting everybody on board with what the heck all those roles are. That's true. And also... And it's not just the stats on the suits. Those are important and those need to be balanced, but it's not just them. There's also, you know, class bonuses and racial bonuses, which can be balanced, yeah, which can be... huge. There's going to have to be risk taken with that. And I understand that, like, this, I'm just saying that, but this is a, a definite bull move to start off with. <laughs> In my opinion, it's like... It's going to cause a shift, but I think the next update behind that will fix what, you know, this might miss, which, you know, goes into an ever-evolving sense of, I mean, you're never going to find perfection, but you're going to be, you're trying to figure that balance, and I, I do feel he's headed in that direction, and that's why he's making well, these moves. The, the one thing I would I would just offer is that, uh, you know, if, if, again, it goes back to the discussion about what is the overall design concept. Okay, concept is that the faster you are, the less innate you know, buffer that you will have on your suit, you know, your EHP. Uh, and and he's trying to establish a logical linear progression for that. Uh, so I'm okay with that. Roger, okay, got it. You know, and he established a very similar curve with uh, DPS versus range. Now, with any of these, you may or may not necessarily agree with them, but it provides a rubric that you can all work around. And, and it, a common a common framework that you, that we can all kind of get our head around. Right. Yep. The, the thing that I'm, I'm the only thing I'm, I'm offering is that um, you need to figure out what are the, the interrelated power, you know, power, you know, linear constructs that you need to have. So with a suit, all I'm proposing is if you want fast and at the top end of the curve, and then the slower it gets, the more buffer it has. Awesome. You, if you don't tie region to that, you're you're going to end up in a very weird place. And, it, and it, to me, it's as simple as do the exact same graph that you did with speed and EHP, figure out what those little shotgun dots look like, and then how would you normalize that uh, against that construct? Um, now, there's, there's a thought, and I think, by the way, Zarya hit this dead on the head. With, with Logi play in particular... The bonuses are uh, the bonuses which are directly related generally to equipment. That is really the heart of the matter with Logi stuff. Like you could have actually like left the slot progression alone and the equipment progression alone, but if the bonuses got reworked based on things like bandwidth, 
the, the number of carried objects that you can have, um, you know, or doing some things to radically adjust how equipment is arrayed versus bonuses. That would have had probably a much deeper impact over time. Now, trust me, I'm all about getting you know the, the equipment and the slot progression equalized, which I think broadly is a good idea. Uh, and I, I, I can see the point. You're absolutely right, Cross, that the speed EHP discussion is a, a game-wide change that is not targeted to the logies. It just happens to work out that that's how they're going. Um, so uh, granted with all of that, but in reference to the logies, I would offer that if you do not take the opportunity to address racial and role bonuses, you're you're still going to have some gaping holes in logi play, um, just based on how the how the game is changing the environment of the game. Yeah, I, I think I think that that's spot on, and I don't want to you know put words in CCP Rattati's mouth, but just from my conversations with him, I think that the man is very well aware that there are skill reworks that may be needed or at least polish passes with not just the lodges, but the assaults and, you know, kind of wider. We can really look at it and honestly, all of the roles game-wide right now, you have front runners within certain races and those that lag behind based largely on what the skill bonuses are. And that's something that has to be looked at, but iterative balance doesn't really let you grab all of that simultaneously and see where the problems are. You have to do step by step, even if it means that for a while there are more obvious holes in the live game. I agree on that statement. It's, you know, there's there's just got to be a, a, a solution to it, but it's not going to be easy in the sense of the logic is really, really, really complex to really do. Like you have suits geared for certain instances if you really get down to it. Uh, so whatever it does, uh, when he does work on that, it'll shift it like entirely for players. If you're a logistics person and, and you love doing it, like the slightest, the slightest like respect of, of points or, you know, whatever, I can't really get too deep into that. I don't know that. But I do know once the stats change, that becomes an issue or it becomes like a benefit to you. Well, but. let me let me I, I, let me just do a quick straw poll of, of everybody in the room. If you are a logistics suit player, class role, whatever, okay, why would you? Why okay? Is there a reason that all four racial logistics suits should not have some form of a bonus to a rep tool? I. I agree, but at the same time, then it t- what what would the Mimitar have to offer to the table? Remotes. No, no logic uses remotes <laughs> like that. I no, want no. my demolitions logic back. <laughs> no, no, but but here's but here's the point. Like it, the rep tool, and this goes back to my comment about like the equipment itself and how we've tied bonuses to it. What, does anybody disagree that the rep tool is probably the single most? Like relative, relatively valued piece, valued piece of equipment that you're yeah. going to be able to carry. Yeah, right? I disagree. I actually disagree. The, disagree. The, the most uplinks. important, oh, wait, the most ahead, important equipment now, in the game is uplinks. There yeah. is. The, no, no, yeah. Yeah. If you only could have one equipment on your team, it would be uplinks. No, no, no. no. Here's uh, the here's the problem. Th- that was true about six months ago. It's not true with the number increase in carried now. It's it's simply not because everybody can carry plenty of throwdown uplinks and, and they can keep moving. Yeah, yeah you're, you, I think you're taking Jay's comment out of context because he's not talking about the equipment 
full stop. He's talking about the equipment as a support specialist. Yeah, I, okay, I, agree. That's I still think the reptile is the most valuable, though. Like, through actual experience and stress tests, like no other, the reptile is the most essential tool as a logic. You keep people alive. Like, that is, you don't even need to spawn back in if you keep that person alive. I, w- I would honestly One, say that, um, uh, oh, go ahead, sir. One thing, yes, you keep armor suits, particularly armor tank suits that have a lot of buffer, you keep those alive. That's a very specific subset of all the suits. You can rep a min scout all you want. You're probably not going to make a big difference whether you know they stay alive or not. Um, so it's a, it's a specific subset. In that situation, the rep tool is extremely important. But in overall sense, it, mm, it's not. It's not. Um, it's situational. What what is the more valuable tool then? Um, Say I mean, that one thing is that you don't have it. We actually see the problem with not having a shield transporter. A shield rep tool. Exactly. But that's exactly. true. No, no, that's... I, and I'm with you. Notice when I say rep tool, I did not specifically, I, I just mean reps in general. Like anything that reps, whether it's shield or armor, acknowledging that we don't have a shield transporter yet, that is going to be more valuable to a Logi generally throughout the course of a match than any other tool you have. If, if, you're, like, if you're talking about a Logi that gets like the points if you're talking about the guy that like constantly feeds that ammo to the group to get that orbital to get that you know that uh, ahead of the time kind of reflex the logic with the rep tool is going to be situational always because he's going to be backed by a squad of killers geared towards that the logistics doesn't just start at the actual suit it starts with the whole mindset before you get into the game all those guys are going to gear around that and logic is going to fit the needs of everybody in the primary killing squad so it's literally it, you have to go in with that that mind frame. Of, now, there's different logistics for everything. I, you know, I'm not saying that, but I'm talking about in terms of the rep tool. If you want to make sure that you win a match, you roll with a large force of primary killers and you beef them up with reps. Whether you know, we can go in shield reps because that's something I would love to talk about eventually. But the rep tool is essential. The uplink is it's more of it's a situational, you know, it's it makes sure that you're always in the advantage, like a vantage point. You can bounce from here, you can bounce to there, you can bounce from there. I understand the value in that, but the one thing that's won PC battles or just in general pub matches is that rep tool. You can't kill that Slayer because he's got that rep tool locked right behind him. I would have to I would have to say that the uplink is in terms of actual winning matches is far more important than than the, the uplink is yeah. right. But how many people can but, how many people can and or will carry uplink? I will say this though. I will Everybody say this. Will. I will say this though. Uh, I could see the uplink being it's much more of an assault carry tool. Um, it's a recon tool or, or in scouts and stuff like that. But at the same time, if the speed change goes through, I could see the uplink being on the logi being the more more important because they get in, they put those links down where they need to go. And then they get know. killed because they have no buffer and no region. Kane, um, first of all, the change to movement speed isn't going to actually make that big of a difference to, you know, the point you're making because the Lodges aren't still not going to really run in there that much faster or any faster than they do right now. They can't get out of dodge any faster than they do now because they're sprinting at the same speed as they do now. Depends on which which prototype the Rotati goes with, since it's all. Well, I'm basing that on I'm basing that on his latest the update to his original plan because he's he posted an update, uh, not like a different version. He said this is an update, so I assumed that's the latest version that he's planning on using. 
that's all I can paste it on. Of course, it could be something entirely different. I can only go on what he gives us. If you're running logistics, though, you should have uh, a rep tool and a link. Well, yeah. Sure. And, well, I... and again, remember, we have multiple equipment slots. I mean, yeah, and, and so, but my point generally is if you're carrying, you know, three to four equipment slots, you're, you can pretty, pretty much well bet that one of those slots is definitely going to be eaten up by a rep tool. And then everything else is the situational component about like, how do you have your suit primarily set up? But my, my general point, and it kind of goes back to, you know, Zarya's initial, initial thrust on this was about the bonuses, like no shit. If you, if you are a Lodgy, you are, you're about team support and the most relatively valuable tool you have over the course of a match is a rep tool. So if you look at the assaults, every assault has some form or fashion of a bonus to uh, it's to a light weapon. Every one of them. Why would you not use that same mindset for a Lodgy? Because trying to say that the bonus of the Mimitar Lodgy uh, is equitable to a Cal Lodgy with the Hive, particularly with the fact that everybody can carry like you know, a, a fucking ass load of hives right now is it's insane. Like if you, if you drop compact nano hives at your feet, why do I need reps from anybody? You know, if I'm an assault player, the only way I see the, the, the problem with that statement is just, well, not the problem with your statement, but the, the reason why I feel it wouldn't be transferred to all logistics is because you're talking about a racially specific tool. No, it's an actual but, class. But why, like, why is it you, a racially specific tool? Well, when, you mean, look at this, when you look at the description, it uses characteristics of all four races to build it. Well, primarily... Well, go ahead, Zarya. Um, well, primarily, first of all, the, the original, the four, like, the four different equipment that were assigned to the Lodges, it was a completely arbitrary... Um, the racial um, identification of those... Um, those equipment was completely arbitrary. If you look at the actual logistic suits and what they're suited for, um, the the you know specific equipment isn't as, doesn't actually make sense in all circumstances. But that's beside the point. Um, what you are saying about the light weapons, uh, the assault class having their bonus to weapons, they still do have a bonus to their specific racial weapon. And then there's the class bonus to ah, fitting, right. fitting right. weapons the same way as Lodges have a class bonus to fitting equipment and then a bonus to racial equipment. Whether that racial equipment, like the actual assignment of the race makes sense or not, it follows the same formula as the... Um, as the assault bonus. Now, logistics have a more more limited pool of equipment, so it's only one specific equipment. But that leads to my other point, which is the point I made basically immediately after the original, um, like when 1.8 was coming up and we were getting, we were told what the bonuses would be. This is the point I made. In some ways, yes, the rep tool is important and it the bonus to it is, is massive and it is absolutely in specific situations it is really powerful i'm not you know denying that however the galente logi gets a bonus to scanners you can fit four scanners on your suit 
and every single slot that you're using get you know utilizes that bonus because the scanners have a cooldown if you fit four scanners you just switch from one scanner to another scan a different area you're utilizing your bonus if you're as a kaldari lodger you carry different nano hives you're utilizing your bonus for all those different nano hives same for the amar logi with the um amar with the uplinks if you're a minmatology there's absolutely no reason to carry more than one rep tool. Maybe, maybe you can get away with saying you're carrying a core focus for a specific situation when you're repping one heavy in a really intense gunfight and they need that extra extra rep amount and then you have another longer range with two yeah. targets. But even that that is an, that is a complete waste of an equipment slot to carry two two equipment uh, two rep tools at the I same time. I would say it's a waste, but like, I mean, I've used it before. If I'm I running guess, with two heavies and one gets dropped, I just hijack the next one with a core focus and literally he gets wired into a situation. Like it, sure, it sure. I mean, say, like I said, like I said, you could argue that that's, um, that makes sense. I I don't actually, I don't really agree that it's it's the best use of that equipment slot, but you could do that. But you still can only use one. You can only use one of them at a time and only one of them can be effective at a time. And that is not true for any of the other um equipments any of the well, other racial I, I think you're, I think you're also making you're you're also making an argument that there is an equitable nature to the value um i, I would disagree i mean my perspective is i would disagree with you like if you look at like the cal Logi bonus it like i can carry a different suite of of hives absolutely but on a cal Logi with three equipment slots currently how, how many of those do you think i'm going to carry hives on well, no, I don't know. That's that depends on your personal choice. Like, for instance, I would never carry two rep tools, whereas some sure. other minmatologies would. But no, Jason, actually, I wasn't making a point about them being liquidable. I was making a point about them being unbalanced. They're unbalanced in different ways. Yes, the Kaldariology definitely has issues. It definitely needs something, and just having a bonus to hives isn't going to do that. The point I'm actually making is that. You can look at it from different directions, and the logic bonuses just are not balanced. They need to be fixed. I, I, I don't would, personally I would agree, agree with that. I don't personally think that the way to fix it would be to give everyone, like, just give all the races a bonus to rep tools, and then give them their, you know, racial equipment bonus because that would leave Minmatar with the uh, with explosives, which I personally find extremely entertaining as a thought and a demolitions player can still be a support player absolutely but i really don't think well, the game balance not, yeah, but it's a not, hey, hold on. to be so you know, bonus here, into something here's, that's, here's the thing you there are different things that you could give them bonuses to like by and large uh, but as to your point about having you know saying the equipment bonuses follow the assault tree I, again, I have a a parallel but different perspective on that. The concept is for the assaults is that their their primary their their primary function. It depends on how you look at the logies to a degree. Um, the assaults their primary function is to deal damage generally. Uh, so most of their bonuses are functionally specific to a racial weapon which deals damage. 
Um, for the lodgies, it is equipment specific racially. You are, I'm totally with you on that. I think it's how we see, it's just a different different perspective. So what is the, what would be the opposite of dealing damage? To me, it would be preventing or healing damage. The one thing that ultimately really does that, that is the opposite of, of a light weapon would be a rep tool. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where my mindset was. Uh, I don't disagree factually with any, anything you said earlier about that. I think it's literally just a, a matter of perspective. That's all uh, in terms of how the different bonuses should flow. But again, I, and I might be a victim of being a, you know, a long time Eve player as well. To me, if you're a lodgy, you, one of your role bonuses should be the ability to rep. Um, and that could be either distance, it could be efficacy, and then if they eventually did add in shield reps, that gives you whole other dimensions that they can mess with. Uh, there's all kind of things that you could do there in addition to something else. And it doesn't, you know, for the Mimitar Logi, it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, remote. So that was just something I threw out because it is something that falls in an equipment slot. There are other things. I mean, the reality is that the Mimitar, at least in EVE, when you look at their ship bonuses, they often run... Uh, dual bonuses uh, that gives you a increased flexibility, which is generally the hallmark of those suits, even in even in dust. So there are things that you could do uh, to even that out. My, my point is very much in line with yours, though. If you actually want to address logies, anything you do with the base suit stats, I got it. I mean, I could work with what we have now, in all honesty, because I've been working with it for a long time. But the reality is, is that the bonuses of the suits need to be adjusted based on how we've introduced bandwidth, how the carry, the max carried capacity has changed dramatically for everybody, which has clearly devalued nano hives and uplinks. It really uh, you know, so we, we need to think through that component uh, as a whole. So writ large, I think you and I see, see the problem in a parallel fashion, not necessarily in sync, but we're driving at the same thing. And I think that really goes down to role and racial bonuses for the lodgies. Uh, and there's an additional piece in here, which isn't the bonuses themselves. But when you talk about the method between the assault and the logi being similar, the method is very, very parallel. But the things that the method can be applied to as far as stuff to equip is vastly disparate. You don't have four racial versions of uplinks as you do with rifles. You don't have four racial versions of repair tools as you do with rifles. And that goes across the boards. While there are different other weapon types, like you don't have four racial shotguns, for example, the rifle, which is the central element of you know the way that those bonuses tend to be used, there is a version in every race. Equipment doesn't have that. And it really makes the current equipment bonuses a lot more pigeonholing as far as what they are and what you can do with them. I mean, that, absolutely. I, that's why I kind of look at it in that light of, you know, the whole rep tool. I mean, as great as it would be to be a Logi and have that in all of my different suits, I just see, in my personal opinion, it's like, okay, it's really specific. If there isn't, like you said, there isn't four different racial classes of reptiles. Like, I mean, I don't see it, you know, being outside, pulled outside of that room. It could be just off of, of you know, if we all pull together and do it, but it's, I mean, would I be upset if it wasn't on every suit? You know, I wouldn't really feel, you know, different about it if it was just still locked to the Mimitar logic just because of the other, you know, equipment out there. Well, what would be nice, I guess, because I do agree with the fact that, first of all, logis should have a wider spectrum of, of 
equipment that they're bonus to. I think it's silly that it's just one, you know, equipment that they have a bonus to. Because they have four equipment slots. So, you know, it would be nice to actually utilize a bonus in a way that, you know, made use of all those equipment slots, at least most like of them. It used to be like that in the past. It used no. to be like that. I felt like it at least. Well, mm. in terms of the access to it, it wasn't gimped at mm. any level. It was like you had access to every equipment. It wasn't, you know, like... Oh well, this gives you a super bonus to this. It was just Ooh. even around, well, all around. Because it's it's like the fact that you know you have a Galente Logi, particularly in PC context, which is not the entire game. Particularly in PC context, if you have a Galente Logi and you're not running at least three scanners, you're basically just not using the suit right. Yeah, yeah not, exactly. Yeah. And it feels really it feels really gimped in some ways. I mean, it's it's specialization, I guess. So it's has its ups and downs, but it feels gimped in some ways i mean at the same time though the that galology is so important but i, I guess yours i mean i see it cutting both ways see what you're saying on it being like it's kind of weird that you know that's what in order to fully utilize the galology you have to use like all your equipment slots for scanners it's, it's I mean, kind of it should be a valid choice but it shouldn't be the you know only viable choice like it you know you shouldn't feel like you're you know screwing your entire team over by doing something else with it because well you know, yeah like well, yeah and i think i think the the other point is uh, pc is also very you know one of the hallmarks of pc is hyper specialization you know the, the ultimate min max so the, i think it's to be expected in all honesty um i'm not saying it's good or good bad or evil but i, I don't know that that's it's necessarily necessarily something you're ever going to get away from which is also one of the reasons why i'm always very leery of quote-unquote balancing based on pc and like i said it's it's just just an example from pc and you know that's not the whole game at all and oh, no, I, i'm so very aware of that <laughs> yeah there's different elements to it yeah it, it does make a good uh, sort of canary in the coal mine though as far as possible edge cases or even more specifically trends that one should keep an eye on. So the trick is to, I guess, make it enjoyable for the people who really want to dive into the suit and also at the same time make it just wider range for someone who just dabs into the logic. I feel that's where he's trying to go with it. But I mean, it's all about spread. Me, I'm just really into logistics. So like for me, it's like how much can I get out of the suit? I think what worried me was some of the initial comments, including some by Rattati that were, that seemed quite struck with the idea of like, here, here's your scrambler pistol and go forth and do some lodgy stuff. Yeah. That worried me greatly when I saw that. Yeah. You have to be, it's a, it, at the end of the day, it's a first person shooter, you know, like. But it's different. It's it's. This is the first game where the aspect goes into. It's not about the KD. I come from FPS, and it's all about the assault class. It's so easy to just gear an assault class to assault, you know, to kill in KD, you know, in this kind of FPS game. But for this, you know, you actually get to save a life. You get to work behind the scenes and actually, you know, keep the game going in your own special way. Instead of just killing people, you make the map situational for everybody's like, you know, benefit on your team, like. That, it can get really, you can cross the line really quick, you know, dabbing into that with just a general view of everything. So it's like, you know, like I said, it, it gets really defensive for someone who's really into logistics. It's kind of like, yo, be careful what you touch. Yeah, there, there's an important balance there. And I think that the sidearm only oft recurrent idea is a God. highlight of the worst way to go about it. No. 
Uh, because you either need to have essentially what any role needs, logic or otherwise, is to provide pound for pound as much worth as any other role on the field so that you're not hindering your team by choosing a play style you enjoy. Dude, we're that, targets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I, ideal balance, you want everyone to have equal value, not in the same ways, of course, but roughly equal weight as far as what they can bring to the table. Yeah. Now, you can go two ways with Logi. You can either make them non-combat and give them other bonuses that are profound enough as a force multiplier to where they can still contribute equally, or you can make them sort of a combat medic where, yes, you don't have the DPS output of an assault, a commando, you don't have the stand and fire and hold a point ability of a sentinel, but you still do have the ability to exist in a combat zone and have more moderate equipment bonuses. The problem becomes when you try to do the sidearm only type of thing is essentially making them mediocre at lots of stuff makes them a bad bet as far as comparable value to the team. And that's really where the issue lies. Exactly. Yeah, the sidearm just is in no way, shape, or form able to compete with a, a light weapon in this game. It just doesn't. The uh, interesting thing that uh, ended up being posted by uh, Rotati was uh, some idea, some spitballing idea. He was like, he was, uh, you know, pining for uh, a support weapon class in one post. Oh, God. I would love to see a great idea. Yeah, I I mean, I I understand where he's coming from, but I don't know. Sorry, Here's the thing is that the, the whole sidearm logic thing does not come from the fact that they go, oh, we want the logis to be weak combat. It really comes from we want to make sure that the assaults are better at killing people than the logis are, so let's gimp the logis weapon to make the assaults better rather than just, I don't know, making the assaults better through bonuses yeah. or, or whatnot. It, and that's what really irks me with that argument is that they – they aren't even giving the, the real reason for why they're saying it. Maybe they don't understand it, but the fact of the matter is, is that if you're concerned about the Slayer Lodgy being better than the Assault at killing people, then simply make the Assault better at killing people. And the way to go about that is not by giving them a sidearm, it's by giving the Assault better bonuses. Assault supremacy, basically. Well, well bonuses should define the role. And if Assaults are meant to kill people, then have their damn role bonuses help them kill people better. And the current ones aren't strong enough. I, I mean, we already had a similar issue again when uh, when the new when the new scout suits came out and the you know the galante scout particularly that already existed but it got buffed same with the minmato scout but the scout suits were suddenly quite good and quite appealing to the you know kdr chasers and yeah you saw a lot more scouts and barely any assaults because the scouts did the assaults job better than the assault suit did yep. and that was shift. balanced out by buffing the assault suit, not just by gimping the scout suit. Yes. So, I mean... <laughs> well, I, I said this in the, the thread as well, that you can make the argument that, oh, well, scouts are E-War, so they should only have a sidearm too, which would immediately result in the barbershop coming in and murdering everyone in the thread. So uh, that, that line of logic is just bad. If you want to make a suit better at killing, you need to give it the tools to do so, not by making every other suit bad at killing. Now, well, now to your point, Pokey, one of the things that I've always kind of said when this is occasionally raised its head is um, I, if you look at like across all the suits now, some of this also means that you, you know, like, again, my standpoint is I take the, I take the tack that everybody that hits the field, because there's a reason you have to equip a weapon, right? In fact, like you can't deploy unless you equip a weapon. Uh, so that means that you're intended to shoot things. That's like, you know, job one in the game, you know, as Kane said, uh, and it is a first-person shooter game. So if 
if they want to go with a sidearm piece, what I would recommend is they generally don't limit you, but what you do is you incentivize people. So you get some mild bonus to sidearms if you are a scout or a logi player. Okay, you don't get anything to light weapons, which they don't. They they, they don't anyway. Uh, and then the assault class and higher get bonuses or incentives to run light weapons, you know, or whatever. Um, to me, it's more about how do you incentivize something? You know, how how can I add a dimension without taking away? And and perhaps if oh, oh by the way, if they also did like a legit pass on the on the sidearms to make them a little bit more viable, that that might also be not a bad thing either. Uh, that might actually encourage me to you know, run an SMG or a MagSec or whatever uh, if I was going to get some level of buff for it. Because you know, for me, the majority of what I do, you know, when I'm playing Logi is usually something involving equipment. But the reality is, one of the, often in a in a game like this, the best support that you can give is with a weapon, not a rep tool, not a, certainly not a needle, uh, and not with a hive, and not with an uplink. So there, there may be something, there may be something to that um, that we might want to look at as another option. But I'm certainly against, and also like like the discussion about taking grenades away, absolutely ridiculous. No, 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 no. just no. I think I think everybody was beefing about Calogies with core locust grenades. You know what? I don't care. Boo hoo! It's a grenade. Well, it's, that, a, it's supposed to kill you. It's a grenade. Well, and the, uh, and with the, the current hives the way they are, it's anyone with a single equipment slot and grenades. Saying the Cal Logi either means you don't grasp the game mechanics very well, you don't pay attention, or you're being disingenuous. I mean, let's really be honest. I mean, there's exploitation on all grounds. I mean, the same with the Cal Logi and the Locust Grenades is similar to the Assault Amar with the Scrambler Rifle right now because it's OP. I mean, there's always going to be something that's going to be teetered towards what we call the flavor of the month. But the actuality of it, it's it's a grenade. It's it hasn't changed at all since its inception into this game, and we've been using it forever. It's just I feel more people have been complaining about this grenade because the the warfare of the combat in the game has shifted to speed, so less armor, less shield, more squishy people, and now they're getting connected by a grenade that's never changed its damage output. We used to we used to have really tanked out fits in the past, like we used to have like a lot of tanked out fits, and it shifted to a, like a quick modernized style of warfare now it's faster it's way faster and it's just squishy people and they don't want to get hit by a, a grenade that goes boom that's just yeah. what it is well yeah with the hit detection being what it is combined with the bottom falling out of the ttk a while back you really have a lot more use of aoe weapons which is primarily mm -hmm. explosives mass driver yep <laughs> because you can't hit things very effectively in other contexts and engagements are so short tactics are barely relevant in most of them aside from the initial flanking or getting the drop on someone and e-war e-war too e-war has changed that a lot like you cannot you cannot detect a, a scout that's got below like you know the most a proto suit will, uh, will pick up from a, a, a like a logi is you know somewhere between 21 to like 27 dbs and the scout can go like way low below that Next, you know they're behind you. You can't read anything. You can't pick it up unless you have scanners on your Galaji, but those have cooldowns. So eventually, that scout's going to get close enough to you, and you're going to get a knife in your back or a shotgun in your face. So area denial just allows you to just turn around and spread. Like, it's just a shot of just a wide fire spread, and it just – these guys are mad right now. The fast, squishy people are mad from large, you know, just mass drivers. Every, any explosive, they're just mad at it right now. 
and well one one thing i have to say about this you know people being so scared of the calology with the with the corlocus nate spam um like i pointed out earlier in that thread in response to that is maybe just maybe it's the corlocus nate that's the problem not the calology and maybe just maybe they should you know we should take a look at the corlocus nate and the way it interacts with hives whether they be bonused by by the Kalaji bonus or not, but just you know, the grenade hasn't changed at all. No, it hasn't exactly. But it the hasn't people changed. have changed. The people have shifted to the game. Yeah, they... exactly. I'm not saying that the I'm not saying that the nade has changed, but I'm saying the gameplay has changed, and maybe something needs to be adapted. But I don't think gimping the Kalaji is the way to deal with the Corlocus nade. Because it's not the Calogy that's the problem. The thing is, there's ways around it now. Like, you can easily... There's ways around it. I, I just feel like people just want it to happen. And then they're just, you know, they're, I'm mad at it, so I want this to change. Instead of just saying, well, what can I build on my suit with the mass customization that this game offers to counter? It doesn't change. It's just, you know... I just feel like well, these people are mad. Just, here, here's, mad. The, here's the thing. Like, I... I me, personally, I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a proponent of changing the core locus grenade. Uh, and I'm also not a huge proponent of, you know, changing how it interacts with hives. The, like, and, and the only reason why is because every time I hear somebody, you know, whinging about it, the, the reality is, you know, it's just a tool in the game. That's no different. Uh, you know, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, it's a no skill weapon. It's this, that, and the other. Okay, fine. Sure. I got it. You don't you don't like it because you feel that it one hits your speed tanked, you know, scout slash assault suit. That's not really my problem, Mister. I just went twenty three and five, and I'm beefing because somebody got lucky with a core locust grenade when they were exactly. trying to clear a hallway. Like I don't I don't really care about that. Uh, it, it doesn't doesn't affect me. And you know what? If somebody is so busy trying to spam core locust grenades from a high point. I'm pretty sure that I can figure out a way to get up there and kill that guy, or I can shoot at him at a longer range than he can actually throw his grenade at me. So I, I'm not I'm not that concerned about it uh, because I it's just one of those you have to really take take it a bit with a grain of salt. I think. Yeah. Well, there's also two parts to it. I mean, there's the question of the coordinate itself or the gameplay, the meta that's kind of been touched on by everyone right now. But then there's also the question of is it limited to the context that's being brought up? Because it is nowhere near the case that core locust grenades can only be spammed from a Calogy. Like that's not even remotely the actuality of gameplay. If you stack three assaults of any race who are carrying hives as their equipment in one area, one or more of them can happily spam grenades. Same is true of scouts. Same is true of, well, everything but the Sentinel, to be blunt. So saying this is a risk for the Calogy is at best a lack of grasp of game mechanics, and at worst is an obfuscation and an attempt to keep a hold of a method or denigrate a role for reasons that are not actually pertinent to what you're talking about. Not a lot of people weigh in the factor of human ingenuity on top of that. Someone's desire to win that bad that they're going to do whatever they got to do to get the win. That's just, you know, you like just building off of what you said, like if there's a team of people, you know, gearing to do something, there's going to be they're going to shift it to their advantage. You know, that just comes with the territory of this game, which I like a lot. It's just there's a counter to everything. Like it's just 
depends on how deep do you want to go and, you know, do you want to, you know, cross that line or do you want to, you know, deal with it? Like, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think that's a pretty fair way of looking at it. Um, trying to, I'm trying to you know, cycle through if we have any other uh, critical pieces. I'm sure that like with given the group of people we have in the room that we can go on and on about this. I do want to give a quick jab over to Bam Havoc, who is a professional heavy. I think he's pretty much run heavy his whole career. So he comes at it from a very different perspective than most of us do in the room. Uh, and I'd like to tee Bam up uh, for a, a little bit of a, a bit of an outsider's perspective on, on what we've been talking about, which is very internal to kind of our play style and, and how he, how he thinks it, it kind of interacts or what his general thoughts are. Well, with regards to uh, Logies, I love them. I love my uh, Gimps and Leashes. Uh, I've run with Zara quite a few times, and uh, she's always ripped me whenever I needed them. Um, what I'll do is I'll tell you a story, and it'll be a BAM story. Um, I hope this will relate to you guys in some sort of sense. Many, many years ago, way back when, when the Forge gun was supposedly overpowered with regards to its range and DPS. Um, quite a few people petitioned to have it nerfed and nerfed into the ground, limited by DPS, splash and range. Now, the problem with nerfing it like that, it then couldn't engage um, the redline rail tanks out in the distance. And then the redline rail tanks became a problem and are still somewhat of a problem today. Tanks, I mean, um, with that dropships could then also get away. Uh, from the massive onslaught of forge guns. My point is, is that whatever you touch, regardless to it being a reptile, a grenade, um, bonuses, uh, whatever, it's going to have a cascading effect on everything else in the game. Everything in the game is interlinked with everything else. So the forge guns range and DPS um, initially was there to combat any vehicle on the field. Now, the forge gun, I've got to wear my um, Warakomi and um, Ishikone forge guns just to just, just to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with any dropship, regardless of it being a fully tanked, fully shielded one. They're double-armored um, tanks out there that I can barely scratch. You know, this is coming from a forge gunner's perspective. Um, and yes, I am one of the ones that sits on a roof like a coward um, with a camp source and a fire and a tent firing rounds down. So yeah, just just be careful what you guys touch, because the second you do, even if it's one small change, it will have a cascading effect on everything else in the game. So instead of doing double digits or single digits um, tweaks, perhaps maybe a point of a percentage. I'm just I'm just um, voicing concern and caution, really. And that's no, my bad story. I, I, no, I think that's actually a fair point, and that's one of the things that... Uh, I think a lot of us touched on is that if you do A, then you must touch B because if you do A in isolation, then there's there's likely to be a problem, uh, or there's going to be you're you have less than the intended effect than you want. So I, I think that's a, a that's a pretty fair statement. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, I know quite a people called for the forge gun to be tweaked, and yes, it did. It needed to to me had to happen to it, but now it's got to a place where can't really do anything it's meant to you know you need to have uh, a double stack of forges just to sort of chase away a dropship or keep a tank at bay but you know such as the game get on with it and do it you know you don't sit there bitching and moaning about it on the forums that doesn't solve anything immediately get your buddies get help and do it you know so yeah i'm definitely up for the uh be proactive and game and do it yourself sort of thing but just be careful what you guys wish for because you'll get it and then It'll break the game further. 
Well, that, that's a that's a fair warning. So, um, what I would like to do, guys, uh, it, since we've covered a ton of ground tonight, uh, as we as we kind of wrap up real quick, uh, we'll we'll kind of go through the list of everybody uh, in relation to you know kind of your your if you were king for a day, logic changes, you know, thirty seconds or less. Like, what would you what do you think you would change, update? you know, whatever, you know, no matter how big, how small, what are the things you want to do? Uh, just a, a quick, a quick jab for the record. Again, king for the day or queen for the day, rather, uh, for Zarya and Zell. Uh, if you could just let us know what you, what you think that would be. So we'll start off with Silly and we'll kind of go skip around here. So Silly, if you were king for a day and you could do anything with the Lodgies, uh, what do you think you'd change or, or update? just update the overall defense of the Lodgy and I would um I would go back and give it I, I would give it reps I would just you know just favoritism it wouldn't help hurt to have self reps I would love to rep, be a Lodgy repping like 20 plus like on every single suit okay all right fair point uh Zarya oh god I was hoping you wouldn't get to me next um um Increase survivability, whatever the way it is, you know, however we accomplish that. Introduce more equipment to make it more interesting, um, including the shield transporters slash shield rep tools that I proposed to cross earlier. And three buff assaults. Woo! Totally legit. Uh, Zell. I, I would remove Logis just to make all the Logi players in here cry. Bro. Okay. All right. Cool. Useful as always. Uh, let's see. Cross. Uh, I would look at the skill. Mumble is being weird. Am I back? Yep. Go ahead. Okay, good. Um, I'd do something about the racial skills so that you weren't pigeonholed to a type of lodging based on which race you wanted to skill into and improve survivability because obviously that's something that any role needs or it can't function. And then, as um, has been stated prior, I would add a shield rep because right now, part of the imbalance that we get, not just with Logies, but game-wide with tank, is a lack of that ability to have support. Okay, good one. Pokey? I would give all Logies a bonus for repair tool slash shield transporters so they'd have more options rather than their single pigeonholed uh, racial bonuses. I would match their slot progression to the assault, May that be with slot aside or not. And I would probably give them more region if they are indeed having the faster, lower buffer model. Okay, Kane? I would take a look at equipment overall, especially in terms of pricing and performance with advanced and basic equipment, equipment often being utterly useless and being forced to run proto-equipment to actually be effective. Well said. Bam. And the proto-compact hive. What? No. <laughs> Bam, what do you got, man? Well, I've got, I've got uh, three things, really. Firstly, um, people who keep talking about weapon balances and stuff haven't actually fired a bloody weapon, so the people doing the balances, I'd get them to go to a shooting range somewhere and squeeze up a few different rounds of different weapons so maybe they can grasp the concept of what an actual weapon is to fire. Secondly, I'd like to see more armor and heavies, personally, with regards to a little bit more rep. Um, and thirdly would be a UI change to the uh, interface. Uh, we're meant to be flying around little 2D spaceships, yeah? But every time I log on to Dust514 and uh, I'm in my station, and it actually says I'm in my station because in the top left-hand corner it says I'm in um, an assembly plant in um, 
Uh, Galente space. I'm not in Galente space. I'm flying around you eating in my little spaceship. Please change that. Please. Fair point. It breaks. It breaks all sorts of law. It, it, I'm a law guy. It breaks it all. Why? Why? <laughs> okay. Um, so I, I guess I guess what I would generally say about uh, Lodges, if I were going to address them, uh, I do like the idea of the slot and equipment equalization numbers that uh, Rattati's laid out. So that's all good. I, if if they go in as described by him, I would one uh, add some regen to the faster suits. Uh, I would give the Lodgies somewhere near the just shy of the uh, scout suits in terms of regen, which is where they would fall in the speed chart. By the way, uh, two I would give all Lodgies some form of rep tool bonus as part of their roll bonus. Uh, and, and clearly I like the idea of add, adding a shield transporter, which would increase the viability of, you know, any number of different shield tank suits dramatically. Uh, three, I would expand the amount of bonuses per equipment, uh, either a primary and an alternate or something, but I, I would give them more than, than what they're rolling around with in terms of their current equipment bonuses. Um, it's just the equipment itself is just, it's too disparate in terms of its value to anybody. The last thing I would look at is instead of having buffer HP, uh, I would really look at having damage resist profiles. We have weapon, we have damage profiles in the game, and we have the Sentinels, which do have resists. But I would recommend certain suits having resistance profiles, which while it does give you another layer of complexity, it also gives you some more tweaks that you can mess around with other than raw buffer. Uh, and the last thing, and this is my, my final pitch, I think uh, I came to the conclusion that if I were king for a day, I would also swap the bonuses for the Gal and the Cal Lodgy. The Galente Lodgy, because they, have a, they racially have a much higher rate of fire, uh, probably hives work better for them. And also the repping and the dual use hives would work pretty solid for them in close quarters as drop and go. Whereas the Kaldari generally are the quote-unquote standoff race, having the, abil the ability to shoot at range uh, and the ability to detect targets at range, uh, I think is probably pretty useful. So anyway, uh, I, will, I will strip all of that away and we can go ahead and jump into shout-outs here in a second. Uh, barring any, anybody else uh, that wants to jump in there with all, any saved rounds. Are we going in order? Right. Uh, yep. We'll we'll go from bottom to top. So Zarya, any shout outs? How would you have to start with me? Um well, you're um, at the bottom of the list. <laughs> fine. I'll we'll have to reorganize to alphabet next. Well you'll um, notice Zell, what Zell does. He just writes middle of the middle of the list, <laughs> Zell. All right, that, that's that's good. I'll have to I'll I'll have to think of that in the future. Um okay, well I guess I'll have to give a shout out to uh well, first of all to our beloved Viking, uh, Ratati, for, you know, finally getting on with the program. I know he's been he's been doing good work, and particularly recently, I actually feel like he's really been listening to the community more than um, um, more than I thought was possible. So kudos to him for that. And also a shout out to my boys in Outer Heaven for, you know, <sighs> giving me gray hairs too early. <laughs> Fair point. All right, silly. Uh, once again, shout out to all my lodgies. Shout out to negative feedback, and 
I would love to see some type of officer equipment challenge in the future. That's that's what I'm hoping. I would love to, to get my name on a reptile. Oh, that's pretty legit. Pokey. Uh, shout out to everyone on the show, to Silly Rabbit for coming on for the second time, and to Zarya for making it, even though Cross screwed up the time and uh, told her to come an hour later. So thanks, guys, for showing up. We're glad to have uh, new new voices and opinions on these topics. All right. Uh, okay. Uh, Zell. Yeah, um, I'm going to give my shout out to uh, Zarya and uh, the Silly Rabbit for being, you know, new blood to show up on the podcast and, uh, you know, mix things up a bit. Good deal. And, uh, oh, oh, and also oh, go ahead. to Kane for actually making it on the show this week. Hey, twice in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, okay, Kane. Uh, shout out to um, all the people uh, who are crazy enough to continue playing this game. As always, a shout out to uh, the crazy people in the Negative Feedback Alliance. Put up with me every day. Alrighty. Uh, let's see. Cross. Uh, shout out to Zarya for putting up with me despite the many things I do to harass her on a daily or weekly basis. Um, shout out to CCP's Rattati and Frame for not banning me or sending sharp Viking warriors to my house for how often I harass them about, about a port. Shout out to the community at large for putting up with me demanding specific details every time they have even the slightest opinion on everything. And shout out to the Lodges in general. Thanks all for keeping it real and uh, actually stay, sticking with the game despite all of the craziness over the past, well, let's be honest, since closed beta. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Uh, Bam, shoutouts? Oh, yeah, I don't really do shoutouts. I just thank you guys really for allowing me and my craziness to come onto the show, and uh, I'll be seeing you guys in a few. Yeah, cheers, thanks. All right, and I'm Jason Larison, and shout-outs obviously go to our guests for uh, showing up. Great discussion. Um, this is probably one of the, you know, for me anyways, like one of the more fun discussions, unless we're having a pick on Zell night, which is most nights. Um, but it, it was a really good crew tonight, so I really appreciate everybody for coming on. Bam, thanks. Cross, as always. Uh, Kate Sparrow, always great to have the bad guy here. Uh, then we have the infamous Silly Brabbit. Great seeing you again, brother. And Zarya, who is one of my uh, favorite Logi broets, I guess, uh, in the uh, in the game. And an absolutely top-notch player that you can always learn from. So, again, really appreciate everybody uh, coming together for that one. Uh, and my last shout-out, believe it or not, is to my buddy Pokey, Pokey Draven, who did me a solid because uh, he knows I'm a big Deadpool fan. And uh, he created the, the Dead Sin uh, drop suit skin. Uh, and it was a high as a high HD image. It was really, really awesome looking. And he shot it over to Rotati. It was uh, as a Caldari medium frame, really, really smoking looking uh, image. Uh, he's throwing it around on Twitter. It's uh, it's really, really slick. And I do want to somebody, jump uh, in here real quick. I, I don't really care for the look of the Caldari suit in general, and I'm not big into cosmetics. And I would buy this skin. I want to yes. see it. It's totally legit. Poke, you got to link it to link it. To yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link, and I, I probably I'm going to do more if people have requests for anything specific. Um, I I can only do so much because I don't have the base images for all the suits. But uh, if you guys have any requests, hit me up on Twitter or uh, email me or just uh, post in the forums. Yeah, absolutely. save your money for beer. Don't spend it on suits. <laughs> beer. Oh my god. <laughs> 
All right. So with that, guys, we're going to go ahead and land the plane. So we appreciate everybody sh for showing up for uh, episode 56 of Biomast, uh, a.k.a. the Logi Pain Train. So, uh, again, we everybody's got an open invite to come back. We really appreciate all of it. Uh, and Zarya, seriously, anytime you want to come back or if there's a topic you want to bring up, we'd love to have you back on. Same for you, Silly. Uh, great, great voices on the show. So with that, guys, good night and good luck.